and DC, we're just hoping that you listen. Welcome to District Divided on a Friday this time, and it's just me and KDOT here, and we're talking only about football. It is back. By the time you see this video, the Bucks and Cowboys would have opened the season up, and personally, KDOT, I cannot wait for that matchup. How are you feeling that football's back? I mean, it's just, it's the greatest time of the year, right? It's like, it's always a countdown to right now. You, you get that sad feeling as soon as the Super Bowl is over. It's like, oh man, we got to wait this many months. And it feels like forever. But then when you're right here and it's like right now, tonight, there's nothing better. It's nothing better. I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve. Like you, you, you hear your parents downstairs putting together the stuff under the tree. And you're just like, you know what? I can't wait. Just a few hours. Just can't Dude. wait. I cannot wait. I took the day off. I watched all of Hard Knocks, just waiting to see the Cowboys get their asses beat. This is going to be fantastic. I'm so, so glad. But a little bit more about us. This is a Washington football team podcast. We also have our main one. We have Wednesday releases for just more general sports talk. But this is going to be a weekly preview show that releases on Fridays, we're currently planning. Maybe it'll be Saturday, so we get more injury information. But we're going to always break down our opponent for the next week. And so that's the plan over here. Me and KDOT will be doing this every single week, and we're going to provide insight on both sides of the ball. What do we need to do to win the game on offense? And what do we need to do to win the game on defense, including getting into the opposing personnel and coaching? And then we're going to offer our predictions on the game and then any sort of little prop bets that we like. We'll get into all of that. And for this episode, because it's the very first one, and in honor of the NFL coming back, we are going to give you our division winners. So our playoff predictions, division winners, conference championships, Super Bowl. And then we are also going to give you our superlatives, our awards, your MVP, your coach of the year, offensive player of the year, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, you name it, we're doing it. But first, we got to begin with our fandom. Get to know us a little bit. So KDOT, why don't you walk us through when you became a fan, some of your favorite memories as a fan, floor is yours. So I'm going to be completely honest, all right? I think I was a Washington football team fan or the previous name from the day I was born. But because I was a little rebellious shit, I couldn't admit that I was a Washington football team fan. So I grew up a 49ers fan when I was really, really young. I was a diehard Niners fan. So like the 98 wildcard game, the, the catch 2.0 when T.O. catched the ball in the end zone – that's the first time I cried to sports. Like I, I was a diehard, but being that they were in San Francisco and I couldn't go to games because it was across the country, I had grown up going to games at RFK. Like I went to a couple games at RFK. I was there the inaugural season of FedEx when it was Jack Kent Cook Stadium. I started remember going to like two preseason games, both preseason games, and then a couple regular season games that year. And it was just that team that like my brother always had the season tickets. My dad had all the had all the merch. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm something different. I'm going to be something different. But when it really came to it and going to the games, you just kind of fall in love with it. And I still remember back in like 98, my favorite player being Terry Allen, the, uh, the running back, number 21. 21 was my favorite number and seeing Terry Allen like cut up and down the field was just awesome to me. And just as the years go on, there are all these athletes just in Washington you just kind of fall in love with. You sent me some stuff as far as like to go through like who my favorite players were coming up or what my favorite games were. I mean, I could try to go in order as far as players, but there's a ton. Like when I first came out of the closet as a Washington fan, it was Champ Bailey and Daryl Green. Those were, the, those were the guys as far as locking down the corner spot. But then even beyond that, when they, when they drafted LeVar Arrington, that was my man. LeVar was my dude. Love LeVar. And you remember those, like, they show the highlights of him at Penn State just rocking shit. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, we're going to get this dude. And he was, I mean, he was a freelancer. We worked to have, he works in a scheme, but he was just so much fun to watch. And then beyond those guys, like uh, Stephen Davis, love that bruising bat. Fred Smoot, just talking nonstop trash, even when he first came in the league. Then I'm a huge Patrick Ramsey guy. Still am a Patrick Ramsey guy. Screw Steve Sperry here. If it wasn't for that offensive line, Patrick Ramsey would be a Hall of Famer right now. And then all those guys, Mike Sellers. I, I put my facial hair. I grew facial hair to, to, to is a, is a, is a, because I love Mike Sellers so much, I had the little pharaoh goatee thing going when I could barely grow any facial hair because I loved me some Mike Sellers. Clinton Portis, Marcus Washington, Sean Taylor, all them you boys. It was just the shit for me. And it was always, and even if you had a team that wasn't always the most competitive, 
I still had guys that I rooted for. I still loved going to the games. As the years went on, FedEx was a little less fun to go to. But then there's just so many memories too, right? Like, I mean, if I had to say my favorite moments as a Washington football team fan, I mean, people will go to like the Monday night game in 05, the two touchdowns from Brunel to Santana Moss. So an amazing night. Um, I, I, I'd even go 2012, the two Cowboys games, when RG3 on Thanksgiving, with that shootout, and it was just awesome. Or the last game of that year, when Mike, Alfred Morris go for 200 yards and three touchdowns to get us in the playoffs. Great moments. But my favorite moment, probably as a Washington football team fan ever, is the Hand of God game. The Hand of God game, some people don't necessarily know it is that, but if you're on the forums, you're really in the know. I'm speaking to you right now. This is, uh, it's 1919 is the score with 35 seconds left in the game. This is when we were playing against, uh, it was Joe Gibbs, I think it was 06, because it was Joe Gibbs' year that we went 5-11. and 11. So it was a shit year, but it was still early enough in the season. But we're, what, 1919, 35 seconds left in the game. Nick Novak goes up to kick. It's wide right, 49 yards. He was one of four going into that game. We had no faith. He had just missed the identical thing the last week in Indianapolis. I remember feeling so low, just like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen against Dallas. Like, this just sucks. Then Tony Romo gets the ball. Anthony Fasano hit. T.O. hit. Jason Witten inside the 20. was like, oh, God, it's, it's going away. It's slipping. Right. It's, this is what's going to happen. And then our man, the dude that we had just picked up off the street the week prior, Troy Vincent, comes through and blocks that kick. Sean Taylor picks it up. He's running around while people are screaming at him to get on the ground. And he didn't. And thank God he didn't because he ran it, got the face mask call, 15 yards. Nick Novak, 47 yards to win the game. My favorite moment, me and my dad destroyed our living room. My mom still won't forgive us for that. I remember I flipped the coffee table, he threw the remote. We were just going fucking nuts. But that's my fandom. It's as much as it has been painful a lot of times, this is my team. As much as I do think historically you can look at this franchise and say, well, you're probably the bad guys and the villains, which you know might be a controversial thing to say, don't care. It's my team. That's what I'm rocking with. Well, hey, that, that is beautiful. And that game was unbelievable against the Dallas Cowboys. And speaking of, one of your other ones you had mentioned, the 2012 Week 17 one, shout out Mernal Widge. He and I went to that game. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I got a fever the next day because I cheered way too hard. It was way too cold. I was like ripping off my jacket and stuff like that. I missed New Year's yep. that day because I just had like a 102 or something like that because I just went so hard at that game. The Rob Jackson interception to seal it when Romo just tried to throw it over him in the flat. I mean, magic. This actually, that brings up a memory. So while you were at that game, yeah. I, this is my ex-wife. We weren't married yet. Mm-hmm. It was awkward as hell because her and her mom went out and I had to spend the time watching that game with her mom's boyfriend that was a Cowboys fan from Texas. Ooh. And it was the most awkward goddamn night ever. I still remember loving the game, but I couldn't even cheer that loud because I'm like, all right, this is this guy's house. Like, it's just the whole thing. Pleasantries, yeah. yeah as was, much as you can. God, yeah. that's a throwback memory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, you talk about some my fandom – I probably started in 96 or something like that. I saw my dad. Um, I was five years old, just for those. Um, and I saw my dad watching a game in the basement, and I was like, what's going on? Um, it was the Cardinals against the known at the time Redskins. And I just remembered liking the logo, liking the jerseys, stuff like that. So I decided to root for them. And thank goodness, because it turns out that was the team in Washington. So from there religiously watched every single game on Sunday. I would always get the paper and look at, you know, the line and stuff like that and look at the stats and, you know, always way too many prayers to Ganesh to recover onside kicks. A lot of them went unanswered, but I was there every Sunday at around 3.45 p.m. with the same prayer because we were not very good for a long time. But I remember Gus Farad. I remember Brad Johnson. I remember Trent Green. I remember all these guys. Patrick Ramsey, gunslinger, man. Um, it's about yeah it's a team you can't quit in fact uh, i'm going to disclose this right now i tried to quit um i tried to quit like it was smoking i tried to be a cleveland browns fan for a year and i made a video and everything i can link it in the description below um it's absurd it's absolutely absurd and i watched them and i really enjoyed watching the browns and got into it but ultimately it's just not the same and i came crawling back as I always do, because you're born into this. That's just the reality of the situation, being here 
in DC. So that's a bit about us and our fandom. I think my favorite game would have to be that 2012 game simply because we won the division. RG3's rookie year caps off the rookie of the year. And Alfred Morris, I love that guy. I think I just get too sad in knowing what happened. Yeah. There was so much. (laughs) We could maybe do an entire series on just RG3. Not just an episode, but like, you know, your ESPN 30 for 30. Similar how, you know, Jordan had his last dance. We could literally do 10 episodes. We thought we had it. We thought it was it. We well, thought we, we did were watching the beginning of a dynasty. We like, it was... did have it. We're, we're getting off track. We're getting off track. But Garcon. Garcon. <laughs> the catch against the Saints to... Oh, okay. You know what? Let's get into this week's matchup <laughs> against the Los Angeles Chargers. Week one, Sunday, 1 p.m. CBS. I am so, so excited for this. The LA Chargers last season, just a little bit about them. They finished seven and nine, but they did finish on a four-game win streak. Despite that, head coach Anthony Lynn got the axe, and in comes first-year head coach Brandon Staley. A little bit about him. He was the defensive coordinator for the LA Rams, where they finished number one in scoring defense and yards allowed. So total defense, scoring defense, you name it, the Rams were number one. So it was warranted that he came in and the LA chargers were number 10 in yards allowed, but number 23 in points allowed. So they've got some work to do. Brandon Staley is going to be in charge of that. He's a Sean McVay protege. Speak of a guy that, you know, I love Ron Rivera. It would be so cool to have Sean McVay still here in the building as our head coach. These things happen with this organization, but I'm glad the culture has gone where it has. His DC, his defensive coordinator is Ronaldo Hill, who he worked with at the Denver Broncos. So they'll be working on the defense together. And the offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi, who was the quarterback's coach for the New Orleans Saints two different times. He tried being the offensive coordinator fully at Detroit, and it didn't work out. And he came back and became a quarterback's coach. What do you think of the coaching staff, KDOT? Well, I mean, the, the Brandon Staley thing is, is something that's going to be interesting. I don't know if it's something that changes overnight. I mean, that's the thing is that if you look at the, the Chargers defense last year, they underperformed. I mean, for the guys that they do have on that team. Now, I know Derwin James went out uh, fairly early last year, which is a huge thing. I mean, Derwin James was a guy, is, is a very, very important guy on that roster. And he changes the, he changes the landscape of a defense. But when you've got Joey Bosa and those guys on the front and they still couldn't get the pressure – I mean, that's something that I don't necessarily know if the schemes are going to fix that overnight or is that an attitude thing that's going to take time to adjust. But they've got the right guy to really go after that thing of it. Um, On the offensive side, I'm still kind of scratching my head over some of the choices they made as far as that Joe Lombardi pick. Because, I mean, like I said, quarterback's coach as far as in New Orleans with Drew Brees, I don't know how much teaching you're really doing to Drew Brees if you're you're his quarterback's coach. Then outside of Drew Brees, those two years that he spent in Detroit, I mean – they were ranked 19th and 20th in point in, uh, in yards. And then beyond the, the, the points was always like right there a little bit below what it is they were doing on offense. And you look at Justin Herbert being second year in the league, got to kind of rewind and do stuff different. I mean, I understand there was no training camp last year, but that's never really helpful for a quarterback when they're trying to get started, especially with a guy who had such a season that he did with a dude an offense quarter while he might be around the league for a while and might have been with some teams that had some talent. I can't necessarily can't necessarily say that the reason any of those guys did anything right was because of him in particular. Yeah. And actually let's talk about let's talk about Justin Herbert for a moment because he is the reigning offensive rookie of the year. 31 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions. I mean, he was unbelievably. I think he exceeded everyone's expectations last season. But like you mentioned, and like I had actually mentioned, trying to be a Browns fan for a year or two there, it happened. Baker Mayfield, rookie of the year. Next thing you know, they hire Freddie Kitchens and falls apart year two. He had a very disappointing year two. Let's see what happens here with Justin Herbert. His talent is unquestioned. But again, new system with Joe Lombardi. Brandon Staley may have a way of going about things. This might be a good time to go against him, but talk to me about Justin Herbert and how you feel about him as a player. I think he's a hell of a player. Like that's the thing is that especially there were some moments last year where you were kind of like, all right, is this guy the real deal? But the final four games, it put everything to rest. I mean, he was four and zero in the last final games, eight touchdowns to one interception over 114 uh, passer rating, 1100 yards passing. Like the dude was on point. 
But once again, if I'm looking at a quarterback that seemed to shine as the year went on, which with experience you do that, but also with how experience you're getting in the system and feeling comfortable within that system by the end of the year. If you're scrapping it and going to something new, I don't know if you can use that four-game win streak at the end to say to extrapolate and say that that's exactly how he's going to start out this year. It might be another slow burn. It might be something where as the year goes on, he's just getting more and more comfortable and he gets there. I think he has talent. I'm not going to say you, you can't have a season like he had and think that he's a scrub or that he's going to be nothing in this league. Right. He's not that. He's, a, he's not some New York Jet cast-off quarterback or something, right? Like, it's – the dude has some talent. It's just whether or not the coaching staff is the right ones to be around him to make it work. And I seriously question whether or not Joe Lombardi is that guy. Okay, fair enough. But now let's talk about it more generally against the Washington football team. So we'll quickly jump into an injury. Austin Eckler – Mispractice Wednesday, mispractice today. Well, I guess at the time of this recording, he was working on the side with some trainers. The Chargers are optimistic he's going to be able to play, but Herbert may potentially be without him. How do you feel our defense is going to do against this Chargers offense? Well, see, that's another thing that gives me a lot of hope, or at least it's going to be a very good litmus test of where this Washington defense is. If you look at the Chargers offense, not only do they have the new offense coordinator, they got four new starters on the offensive line including one name that should ring bells to anybody that used to watch Chase Young highlights, which was Sean Slater, who's the dude that uh, went up against him when he was at uh, Ohio State and actually had a fairly good game. They, Ohio State beat the shit out of him. I think it was like 58 to 10 was the final score, but he did show up and he played pretty good with Chase Young. And that was some of the film that they were using on Chase Young, where you were hearing those rumors of whether or not he shrivels in the big games compared to uh, just shining against cupcake opponents or whatever. So that's going to be an interesting thing. He looked pretty good in preseason for what I could tell, but four new starters on the offensive line with a second-year quarterback going into a new system, that to me seems like it's just right for picking for that defensive front of Washington. There's no reason why that defensive front shouldn't be able to get pressure that are Justin Herbert, and it's got to be the key to the game. I mean, you're, you're four new offensive linemen, you think they're going to have everything squared away? No, this is Montez Sweat. This is Chase Young. Got to be on that young kid, Rashawn Slater, and getting that pressure on the Herbert. Now, I am going to counter you here with a couple quick hits. So, Justin Herbert against pressure last season, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, a 96.4 passer rating. That was the league's best passer rating against pressure. It was Roethlisberger-esque from his rookie year back in 04. So, when pressure doesn't work, it's scary. I think that's just speaks to the level of talent that this kid has. Now, talking about the offensive line, that's exactly it. He was the second most pressured quarterback in the NFL. So this needed to happen either way, even if they don't gel early on. And I suspect they might because Rashawn Slater, first round pick, he missed a year of football. We should get after him. Absolutely should. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, you name it, throw it at him. Yep. Corey Lindsley is an excellent pickup by the LA Chargers. Center, who used to play for the Green Bay Packers. Been there, done that with great quarterbacks. I believe Justin Herbert's going to be one of those great quarterbacks. I think it's just a bit trickier than people are giving it credit for. When I look around social media, I think people expect us to sort of trash and thrash these LA Chargers. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I expect the Chargers to put up points against our defense, despite how good we are defensively. Well, I, I'm not going to counter too much with that. But I mean, it all goes hand in hand, right? I think that what that defensive front here for Washington is looking like I can't look of a situation other than other some other teams in the division, like the New York Giants, who we should just eat all day. But when it comes to the Chargers, even if you do get the right guys on the offensive line, usually it does take a little bit for them to gel. I'm not saying it takes a full season. I'm not even saying it takes half a season. But there is something with the offensive line that's an unspoken just camaraderie that you have to have with the guys around you to make sure that everything's working in the right direction. And if you're supposed to be as talented as that Washington front is, as far as the expectations for that front, this is supposed to be something you do take advantage of. That being said, who knows? If they come out lights out and do what it is they need to do, that's it. But I mean, the front four is only as good as what's happening behind them. So, I mean, right now we have to make sure the secondary is on point. We got William Jackson, who's new. Uh, We know the secondary has the ability to do certain things, but Landon Collins was hurt for a portion last year. He's back. What is he going to be doing in coverage? I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm looking at as far as that defense, but there are a lot of questions. Other than that front four, the linebackers themselves for Washington are very, very questionable to me as far as what it is they're going to be able to do. And we talked about on the podcast as far as whether or not they were going to bring any more bodies on a linebacker. Didn't really look. They did much there. So 
Um, if I'm looking at Jammin Davis, or I like to call him Jammin Davis. Um, Do it. <laughs> John Bostic and, and Cole Holcomb. While I do like all three of these guys, there's no denying Davis is going to take a little bit to get used to as far as this game. Um, Cole Holcomb is a is a solid is a solid linebacker, but I don't think anybody's looking for him to play lights out or do anything Ray Lewis like at the linebacker position. And John Bostic, once again, tackling machine himself, but I still wonder as far as some things in coverage. So when you got an Eckler who can move things out of the backfield, right. when you talk about guys that can get past that first level for Washington. Yeah, what are you going to do? Now, that front four has to get the pressure so that these guys are not left on islands for a very long time. And I think we have the talent, but there is a huge test for us to really see what this defense is made of. Yeah, really, really good point there. And again, as everyone knows, we have four first-round picks on that defensive line, so the talent is certainly there. And there is a lot of buzz that Chase Young and Montez Sweat combined can be the best duo you know of rushers in the nfl in terms of sacks like and then we have do it the, arguably the best guy on that defensive line is back matt ionitis yep. who who missed basically all of i think he did miss all of last year right like it was yeah. like i think heard early on very it was early really on. early on i think it was like game one um matt ionitis being back is a huge thing as far as spelling those guys on the defensive front and be able to continuously get that pressure room you got deron Payne being able to sub out you got jonathan allen you got matt ionitis you got tim Sub- all those guys should be able to eat. This has to be some, if we want this Washington team to be good. I know week one, a lot of hyperbole. I don't quite know exactly where I'm at with it, but I think that if we don't perform well against this particular team, I think some people might have some questions as far as what it is. That, are we going to live up to everything? Um, at least that's where I'm, my mind is going to. I'm not going to say the, the, the sky is falling. But I expect these guys to be able to do certain things that we can look at and be like, okay, this is this is that defense that, that everybody around the league, the Mike Greenberg saying that we're a, a, a playoff contender, that we're going to win the division. We have to perform of course. on this game. Okay, so let's just summarize it in that case. For you, what would you see are one, maybe two points on the defensive side of the ball uh, from what you've said? From what I said, it's we have to I, – I, I want to see Justin Herbert shook is what I want to see. I want to see him not having a lot of time to make his decisions. And I need that defense on our, our defensive backs to make sure that they've got coverage on there so that he's just not able to do the things that he wants to do. Eckler, you got to contain him to a certain degree, but I, I think Eckler's probably going to eat this game. To me, the key is getting the pressure and making sure that Herbert does not have time to make the decisions that he makes. Okay. No, I love it. I, I think my keys are pressure with four and only four. I yes. don't want to send too many people. I still have visions and flashbacks of that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, who I think a lot of people would say were a really, really good team. Justin Herbert carved them up, and that was his yep. third start. He torched them. They sent everything at him. It did not matter. He'd slide to the right, hit someone deep. I would look out for the deep ball. So we have the one key, rush only four and get home shook gotta get home make him shook like you had said and then give up stuff underneath if Eckler's gonna eat let him eat if right. keenan allen's gonna catch a crossing route or maybe a quick out that's fine with me i don't want that deep ball to jalen guyton which seemed to be quite the play down the stretch and then donald parham jr who is a tight end who was coming on his scene near the end as well i don't want these guys to start eating in deep spaces everything underneath he's still young in a new offense force him to make mistakes. Those are my keys on defense. Now let's flip the script. Let's talk about the Chargers defense highlighted by, like you had said, Derwin James, who's now healthy. They've got Joey Bosa. A lot of people talk about Nick Bosa, but Joey Bosa is really fucking good. And then they drafted Asante Samuel Jr. I'm sure a lot of you know Asante Samuel, former uh, New England Patriot himself, Super Bowl champion, multi-Super Bowl champion. Talk to us about the Chargers defense there, KDOT. Once again, we're looking at a team that underperformed, but they have talent. No one's looking at Joey Bosa. Anyone with Bosa in the last name is going to overlook that, right? And it, it, you can't do that. You can't overlook him. So defensively, it's going to be a lot, I think, kind of role reversal. It's going to be a lot of what this offensive line is going to be able to do against that uh, front seven there for, 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 for L.A. If Bosa's in the backfield making Ryan Fitzpatrick's life a living hell, it's going to be a long day. So I think what we're looking at as far as from Washington's standpoint, 
what it is they need to do towards that Chargers defense is spread the wealth, man. You got to get the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hands. Uh, we've got a lot of guys who can run a lot of slants. We've got a lot of guys who can get, catch stuff out of the backfield. We've got to spread them out and spread them thin. We've got to make sure that we are distributing the ball all over the place so they can't get in a rhythm there on defense, especially a rhythm that's going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, pressure because we all know Fitzy likes to throw those balls up. And if he's getting that pressure and he's not making the right looks, it could be a turnover-heavy day. And when you got a Derwin James back there sitting in the secondary, especially when you know what he likes to do with throwing those balls up, I mean, it could be a welcome back party hardcore for Derwin James, and I'm not looking forward to that. And, you know, you've got Fitz Magic, you've got Fitz Tragic, and with a ball hawk like Derwin James, you could end up seeing Fitz Tragic, making sure we limit the turnovers for sure. For me, I would say let's run it through Antonio Gibson, who should ascend to a whole new level in his second year. You see those sophomore jumps happen a lot. There are some slumps too, but with Gibson, you can tell he's a baller. Scott Turner and his offense had Christian McCaffrey go off. They view Antonio Gibson the same way, especially with Curtis Samuel probably missing the game. He pulled up running a route in practice. You know, it looks like he's going to miss some time. Great opportunity for Deami Brown, but nothing settles and calms the nerves more than being able to run the football. I know we've got analytics out there saying throw the ball constantly, no matter who your quarterback is, whatever have you. And I'm a data analyst, but run the damn ball. I'm old school that way. And Antonio Gibson can help calm Fitzpatrick down. He can help create space for McLaurin over the top. What are your thoughts on that and Antonio Gibson? Antonio Gibson is going to be a really interesting one. Like that, that is something as far as one of the prop bets that I'm seeing a lot as far as uh, Gibson and whether or not, I think the overrunner was like 13 touches uh, this game. And it's going to be something that they keep talking about how they want to make him the uh, Christian McCaffrey role. I think a lot of people don't understand just how big Antonio Gibson is. Like he, he's a, he's a big, he's a boy. big boy. six feet, 228. I, I was playing Madden. I downloaded Madden 22 for no goddamn reason. I'm an idiot. And I was looking at him. Leonard Fournette and Antonio Gibson the same size. <laughs> and yeah. people don't, and he's more of a receiving back or known piece of what he did out of college. Like I, while I do want to see Antonio Gibson get the ball in his hands as far as, I just want to see him get the ball in his hands. I don't necessarily need it to be running up the gut 30 times a game. I'd like to see what they do with Jared Patterson. I'd like to see where it is that J.D. McKissick is getting in. Mm-hmm. I just want ball distribution. I, I, Antonio Gibson does not strike me as the guy who's like a Nick Chubb that needs his 30 carries or 20 carries to really get that momentum going. He's a flash out guy. He's a dude that could take it and go. Give him his touches and let him work. Give him space and let him work. I'd like to see two backs in the backfield split out, doing things just to keep that off, keep that defense at bay. Um, there are a lot of ways in which you can get Antonio Gibson the ball, but I, I would say a very big key to that along what you're saying is around that over and under, if you look at 12 to 13 times that he's catching the ball, anything over that, I think we're sitting pretty as far as Antonio Gibson's production. Because, I mean, you look at what he was averaging yards per carry, even yards per catch, he makes the most out of them. And I, I want to see it without him getting way too much of a workload where there might be some injury concerns as far as some long term. Okay, fair enough. So to sum up what you're thinking on offense, you, you've said ball distribution a whole bunch. Is there a certain player you want getting more touches than another against this Chargers defense? Antonio Gandy, Golden Home Chicken. That's the thing. The one guy that I want to see more than any other person is Curtis Samuel. I really want to see how it is that he folds in the offense. But now knowing we don't know what his deal is at this right. point, um, I think it's going to be a Terry day. I, I really want to see what it is that Terry's going to be able to do with a quarterback that actually throws the ball down the field um, and does it consistently. I think Terry McLaurin runs some of the best routes in the league, and it's somebody that we need to feed. And I'm hoping that we can keep that. Uh, if, if we do what we need to do as far as distributing that ball and getting that defense a little off, Terry's going to get some ability. Terry might have some opportunities to kind of go long and get something done. And I really want to see Terry with the ball in his hands. Okay, fair enough. I, I like that call, and I think we are going to see Terry, especially especially if they put Asante Samuel Jr. on him. One thing Fitzpatrick is known to do, and this is why you get the magic sometimes as well as the tragic, is when he sees a young corner 
he goes after that guy constantly. So Asante Samuel Jr., your father was a spectacular player in this league. We don't know what you are just yet. And Fitzpatrick is going to help us find out because I think he's going to target him. In fact, a prop bet would probably be an Asante Samuel Jr. interception because one of these throws may get away from Fitzpatrick. And there you go. But he could still end up having a very productive day against Asante Samuel Jr. despite that, especially if McLaurin's there. And he seems to trust Deame Brown. Golden opportunity yep. for him here. We don't know when Curtis Samuel's coming back. He probably yep. won't play this week. And then let's see what Adam Humphreys can do in the slot as well. My key, get Antonio Gibson going. It calms the nerves. Everyone's jacked. Very, very excited for this game. Calm down. We're at mm -hmm. home. Let's grind these guys. I would love, love to do that. Now let's get to predictions now, KDOT. So we've talked about the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. Who do you like in this game? Uh, the Chargers are currently, according to Bovada, one-point underdogs. So we are favored at home by one point with a 44-and-a-half over under. Who do you like, and what's your score? Washington over LA, 20-10. to 10. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, only 10 points for the LA Chargers. I think that this is something where I think you're going to see two offenses trying to figure it out. I don't think it's going to be as smooth as people are looking at as far as on paper. Um, I, there were certain things you could see in the preseason with Washington, even though it was very limited, that makes me realize that there are some guys that are still getting used to shit together. And um, Fitzpatrick coming in, I know he likes to push the ball down the field, but there are going to be some times where if Boza gives get back behind there, and I think there are some times that he might get some pressure. I just don't think we're going to be firing in all cylinders. Um, and I really don't think LA is going to be firing in all cylinders either. I think that they do have a bit of a lull coming into this. Um, I, I think the new offense, I think the new offensive line trying to get it, I think they're going to be feeding Austin Eckler a lot. And um, even though our defensive line is known just being ferocious as far as pass rushers, I do think that we can – at least can contain the run a lot of times too. I mean, Chase Young, some of his best plays are what he does as far as running down a running back. Um, I'm just looking, I think it's going to be offensively a fairly sloppy game on both sides. And I think uh, defensively, I give Washington the edge. And I also think just because of what Fitzpatrick wants to do as far as pushing the ball down the field, Terry McLaurin might be able to eat. Because I just, I think we haven't seen anywhere near the level of what Terry McLaurin can bring to this team because he hasn't had a quarterback being able to facilitate what he's good at. Okay. I love the prediction. I have two different ones. I was going back and forth. The Eckler thing makes it very interesting for me. If Austin Eckler plays, I think Justin Herbert becomes a lot more comfortable in this game, and I see the Chargers winning 24-20. Now, if he doesn't, Washington wins 20-17. to Just mm -hmm. making it very simple, I think you take away seven points from the Chargers. There's obviously a lot more. There's game flow. There's you know, script and stuff like that. But I think without Eckler, they try and run a little bit more. That puts him in second and long, third and long. And I think Herbert probably forces it a little bit more versus Eckler. They probably get four or five yards at a time and can move down a bit methodically. Um, and then it'll open up the deep shot. So I think Eckler is going to play. I think it's going to be LA 24, Washington 20. And my only concern would be the offense, not the defense. My concern would be the offense. I think Justin Herbert is just that dude. Um, I think he's going to prove it despite the coaching change, but I'm more than happy to be proven wrong. So we'll see what happens there. So I'm going, I'm going LA. I'm going under by half a point, <laughs> uh, but either way, I'm going under. <laughs> so close, all right. <laughs> yeah, cutting it real close. So, hey, Vegas knows what they're doing. So I'm going to go ahead and just, just hover right around there. Um, but like I said, at the very beginning, this is the very first weekly preview show. So NFL starting up we are going to now give you our playoff predictions as well as our NFL awards. Okay. So KDOT, how would you like to start? Do you want to start with the playoff teams or do you want to start with the NFL awards? We can do the play. Let's do playoff teams, okay. the awards, and then who it is we have in the Super Bowl. Okay. Sounds good. That, that work. Okay. Let's do so, it. So what I'm going to do is just simply go through who I have winning each division and what the wildcard teams are going to be for each conference. Okay. That Let's do it. AFC. AFC East, I've got the Bills. Do you want me to go into any detail or just kind of rapid fire? If you want to do a quick sentence on them, that's fine. Quick, all right. Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, real deal. They're only getting better. They're going to win that division. AFC North Browns, they've got more talent than I think any other team in the league. 
and they are they I, I think they are the real deal and they might get past that hump of anybody questioning the Browns of being some shitty organization which they've historically been uh AFC South Titans Derek Henry Ryan Tannehill <laughs> Julio Jones Mike Vrabel making sure the defense plays hard I like that team AFC West Kansas City Chiefs is bat Patrick Mahomes is league all right maybe I'll get to that a little bit later Wild cards as far as the AFC. I got the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Chargers. I do think the Chargers will eventually get it going. I still think it's going to be a slow roll, and they'll get there. The Ravens, I think Lamar Jackson is just too great. I know that we just heard today as we're recording that Gus Edwards might be out for the season, so Lord knows what hex is on that running back squad. It's insane, but they signed Le'Veon Bell. Who knows what happens? I think Le'Veon could actually have a lot of fun with Lamar, so you might see a resurgence of Le'Veon just a little bit. At least that's what I'm hoping for. And the Patriots, I never count Bill Belichick out. He's got his full team back on defense as far as nobody sitting out because of COVID. I think that he schemes it and gets it going. Plus, I love that kid, Matt, uh, Mac Jones. Love him. Mac 10, baby. Mac 10, uh, baby. <laughs> Go ahead. In the NFC East, I've got Washington. I just think our defense is the best. Uh, the New York Giants are a shit show. If they put it together, who knows? I think Daniel Jones has a little bit of that Eli Manning, just dumb luck sort of thing happening where he just does stuff and he looks like Mr. Bean just kind of walking through <laughs> a football game. So I don't know. But Saquon's coming back. I just think that offensive line is trash and I don't like that defense. Uh, the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is back. He's got Randall Cobb. Woo! No, it's just <laughs> I like Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is always going to keep you in the conversation. NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Super Bowl reigning champs. They got Tom Brady. Antonio Brown, I actually think, is going to have a hell of a year. Uh, NFC West, give me the LA Rams. I think Sean McVay, I love Matt Stafford going to LA. I think they're going to be able to do a lot of really good things in that defense. Aaron Donald being your team just makes it otherworldly. And as far as the wildcard teams, give me the 49ers, Seahawks, and surprise pick, the Falcons. So the 49ers, the Seahawks, I just think the NFC West is just that damn good. And I think when you have, as far as uh, in San San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, still like him a lot as a coach. That defense is always going to be there and doing good things. And offensively, even if they don't have Jimmy G starting a whole year, Trey Lance, I know know Shanahan can't wait to be able to start his boy. And it's going to be incredible there, I think, for them going forward. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson's just too damn good. DK Metcalf, love that dude. And the okay. Falcons, Kyle Pitts gets you in the playoffs. Oh, uh, so for those that don't know, and I guess that would be a lot of you, uh, KDOT to me reached in our fantasy draft to get Kyle Pitts as his second tight end. So he's got Travis Kelsey and starting Kyle two. Pitts. Starting hey, two. Hey, he's monopolizing really good tight ends, and he he should break records this year, Kyle Pitts. You'd I think, right? I, I think with Matt Ryan just being there, and now the targets that once went to Julio. Got to go somewhere. And Ridley is a beast. And Kyle Pitts is just a matchup nightmare. I don't know who you put on him. You're going to have to double team, which means Calvin Ridley's going to eat. And when Calvin Ridley eats, they're going to have to do something else. Kyle Pitts is going to be a hell of a player this year. Okay. Now, can you quickly rapid fire without the sentence this time? Walk me through your AFC one more time. Bills, Browns, Titans, Chiefs, Pats, Ravens, Charters. Okay, great. So I agree on five of those. Okay. All right, so I've got the Bills in the AFC East. Again, Josh Allen, they're, they're too good. They are just too good right now, and Josh Allen is a superstar. Uh, the North, the Browns. I had the Ravens, even with Gus Edwards there, but him getting hurt, I, I think there's something going on, I, and I can't explain it, but I can't pick them to win the AFC North anymore. So I've got the Cleveland Browns. I also think they're the most complete team. In the South, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, I think Carson Wentz being back with Frank Reich, being supported by a solid running game and Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack. And these wide receivers are underrated. Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr., Mo Ali Cox, by the way. So we talk about, we talk about Samis Reyes a whole lot, right? Being a former college basketball player. Same thing with Mo Ali Cox right here in VCU. Um, he could play. He could play. So I like the Colts. Um, Kansas City in the West. I mean, they're not being dethroned. There's still talks about them potentially going 20 and up. Um, they won't do that, but they are going to win the West. My three wild cards: Baltimore, LA chargers, like you said, and the Miami dolphins. So I actually have the Tennessee Titans missing the dolphins. I think have a very favorable schedule. I know they've got the Deshaun Watson drama going on. Tua is going to be good enough this year. 
Tua is going to be good enough this year. That defense is still very good to me. I've got Miami in the AFC. Now, can you quickly run me through your NFC? Washington, yep. Green Bay, Tampa yep. Bay, yep. Uh, LA Rams, 49ers, yep. Seahawks, Falcons. Okay, so I've only got two differences there as well. I've got all the same division winners, Washington football team, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, LA Rams. I've got the 49ers. My two differences, I've got the Arizona Cardinals, who everyone seems to sleep on, and they keep investing in the defense as well. So they've got Kyler. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. Rondale Moore, I think, is going to be really good in the slot. He's going to help them out. They got Chase Edmonds, James Conner, plenty of weapons. AJ Green, plenty of weapons on offense. And Zayvon Collins, I think, is going to be spectacular for them as a linebacker. And Isaiah Simmons is still developing as well. I like the Arizona Cardinals. And the final one, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a good year. Philadelphia Eagles are going to end up making it as a wild card. Devontae Smith is very, very good. Zach Ertz, I think, is still going to be there in two tight end sets with Dallas Goddard. And Hurts' ability to run, it's just going to make it so hard to plan for those guys. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles will be, and will be the seventh seed in Mm. the NFC. So those Mm. are our playoff teams, okay? So we seem to only have four total differences, and we agree on 10 of them. I don't think your Eagles pick is way off. I I don't know what the Eagles are. I don't know. I I think the Eagles, you could tell me they make the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised. You tell me they completely miss, and they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised. Like they, they literally are a complete wild card. Yeah, I have them being a sleeper for the division as well for that reason because oftentimes no one ever repeats in the NFC East. Yeah. And we're both predicting, uh, you know, a repeat for the first time in God knows how long. And again, with a running quarterback, and he showed some promise last season. I think they put enough around him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. They, they've got a first-year head coach in Nick Sirianni, who, um, you know, we'll we'll see how he does. I, also, I thought you were going to go New Orleans. Oh, really New Orleans. Did. Oh, well, Jameis got LASIK. He could see. I can see, so that should, that should tick the interceptions down from 30. The Carlos Rogers <laughs> treatment. It's what Carlos Rogers did. Carlos Rogers was here, and he kept dropping interceptions, and the defensive guys kept telling him, get the surgery. He does it, goes to San Francisco, leads the league in interceptions. I know. Fuck you, Carlos. We also had Walt Harris do the exact same fucking thing. Went from Washington to San Francisco and Just became a pro bowler. Ball out. What the hell? What the hell? But now let's go into our awards, and then we'll do our Super Bowl, right? So okay. – K-Dot, why don't you go ahead and run through yours? We'll go one and, at a time this time. We'll go back and forth. You okay. pick the award, and we'll go. Let's start with MVP. Let's start with the big guy. Okay. Floor's MVP, yours. Matt Stafford. I love me some Matt Stafford. I think the Detroit – Matt, if you're hearing me, not Matt Stafford. Matt Regan, if you're hearing me. Detroit <laughs> is where people go to die, okay? Your careers are over when you go to Detroit. That's why everybody – you got people that learn how to dunk again once they leave Detroit. And you get so many stars that give up on their careers and just retire instead of staying there. I think Matt Stafford with Sean McVay is going to be a match made in heaven, and they're going to be amazing. So that actually – is not far off because I have Matt Stafford having a great year and I was so, so close on this, but there's something about Lamar Jackson. And I think because they got Rashad Bateman, he's going to end up playing. They have Mark Andrews. They just signed him to a long-term deal and he's going to have to do more. I don't think this was the plan, but I think he's also heard a lot of the chatter, a lot of the doubt. And he is going to have an MVP season despite being a wild card for me. I think he's going to be unbelievable. I think the defense losing Marcus Peters, they are going to have some defensive problems, which is very uncharacteristic of Baltimore. But I think Lamar Jackson is going to light the league up. Very unconventional having a quarterback from a wild card team. But I think they're going to have a really good record just south of the Browns. And you will not be able to deny what a great year Lamar Jackson has. Coach of the year. Well, he'll both be their starting running back and quarterback. Uh, <laughs> Coach of the year, did you want to go first? Or am I going first? I'll, I'll, I'll go first here. You go first? Okay. Coach of the year, Sean McVay. Because mm. it was really, really close between Lamar Jackson and Matt Stafford for me, but I do think the LA Rams are on a mission this year. I think they're going to have a really good record. I think they're going to blow teams out because now they don't have Jared Goff there. Now I'm talking myself back into Matt Stafford MVP. Jesus. Uh, but I think Sean McVay, is tired of hearing about all these other geniuses that are head coaches and offensive coordinators. And he goes, hey, by the way, I've still fucking got it. So I've got Sean McVay, coach of the year. At a three-person toss-up, um, I'm going to change what I did on my other podcast with my coach of the year just to pad my stats. I'm going to go Sean McVay. 
Like, I, I just think because of what it is that's going to happen with Matt Stafford and because of how high I think they're going to be seated in the NFC, Sean McVay finally gets it. He's the boy genius, the wonderkin. We all coordinate. Hey, found ourselves in agreement on coach of the year. Offensive, let's go rookie of the year. Who do you have as offensive rookie of the year? No surprise, Cal Pitts. <laughs> it's, it's Cal Pitts. I, I just, I, I, I've never been more in love, I think, with an offensive rookie in a very, very long time. Although the last guy I love this much, I'm not going to say his name, but it didn't work out for me. But I have a good feeling about Cal Pitts. Okay, tight end as rookie of the year. I am going to go with Zach Wilson. I think he's the most talented quarterback in the draft, and I think he's going to have a spectacular season, especially because the Jets' defense is so bad. So he's going to have to have really good games. You're going to lose a whole bunch. The LA Chargers sort of did the same thing, but I think Zach Wilson is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's go Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'll start this one, just get it out of my mouth, and then throw up right after Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys. That dude... I like Penn State as well. He's a baller. He's a baller. He always wants more. And the Cowboys are always in the spotlight, right? So if they do anything half decent, people are going to want to throw things at them. So I've got Micah Parsons as Defensive Rookie of the Year being the middle linebacker for that defense, which was so, so bad last year. If they're half decent, he wins. I'm not going to explain myself. Um, Mika Parsons is probably the right pick. But I'm going Jamin Davis. Yay! <laughs> I just think that defensive front four, he's going to be able to get a lot of tackles if he, play, if he plays with that high intensity and that speed that I know he can. Uh, I think that he could be a guy who just, like, damn near leads the league in tackles and just being that kind of force. And I, I just got good feelings about him overall. Okay. No, I mean, hey, I love the it's pick. It's a homer I pick. I want it it's to a be the pick. pick. Washington versus Dallas pick. right there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's absolute. Um, How about we go... Offensive player of the year. Christian McCaffrey. I just think with he what he does on that offense or any offense, I can't think of a guy more versatile at that position. Um, he's the guy I probably want on my team more than any other that's not a quarterback. He just does everything, and he does it very, very well. And I think coming off the injury, we're just looking at a hell of a year for McCaffrey. Okay. The one thing I don't understand is like MVP and offensive player of the year. They differ sometimes. I don't really know why that is. Uh, You'll have one quarterback be an offensive player of the year, but then the MVP is someone different. I think that it it comes to that whole thing, right? So like an MVP, they're also going to look at your wins and losses compared to your offensive player of the year type. So, I mean, you might throw 5,000 yards, but you got a shit defense. You're not winning games. Tell you what. So then let me revise. Thank you for that. MVP, I am going Matt Stafford. Offensive player of the year, I'm going Lamar Jackson. Uh, Because that sounds a lot more like what I was describing when I said, hey, they're going to finish as a wild card. It's going to be unbelievable what he did. But given the losses that they'll have and that they didn't win the division, I don't think he can be MVP for that reason. So give me Matt Stafford MVP, which means we agree on MVP and coach of the year. Um, and then offensive player of the year, give me Lamar Jackson. You have Christian McCaffrey. How about defensive player of the year? I think we're Chase Young. going to do the same thing. Okay. Chase Young? Chase Young. I, I just – there were certain things that I saw last year that just made me think, all right, he's the next guy. And um, I think with that defense and he having Matt Ioannidis back, if he gets those sacks to – I think he, I think we're looking at high teens possibly for him sack spots. Like that's what I'm calling for. Ooh. I just think he's that dominant of force. And if you're looking at tackle for a loss, I think he's going to lead the league. Okay. Um, I wanted to pick Chase Young, but I'm going with all faithful Aaron Donald. Because, again, okay. if, if we both agree the Rams are going to be that good, that means Aaron Donald's going to be pretty damn good, too. Um, so I don't think I need to say it much more than that. Aaron Donald is just a force to be reckoned with and arguably one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, certainly the best defensive player in the NFL as of right now. Um, comeback player of the year. It's the last one. One would say I should choose Christian McCaffrey, but... He's not a quarterback debt. Prescott is, and everybody knows his story over the course of last year. He was on hard knocks. It's going to be Dak. If he survives the season, he's the comeback player of the year. That's Simple true. as that. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they literally are going to give him this award no matter what. I would yeah. take Dak versus the field easily I agree. because of just the narrative and the hard knocks. And just, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Dak. If it weren't Dak, I guess it would be McCaffrey for you. Yeah, it would be McCaffrey. I, I think McCaffrey's probably going to be the guy that I think is most deserving of getting it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I, I really just think it's Dax to to lose at this point. 
Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I would probably go Burrow just because these also tend to be quarterback awards and things like that. I just that. don't have a lot of faith in Cincinnati being that great. As, oh, that's totally um, fair. I think Burrow's yeah. going to end up being good, but the defense is still atrocious. Um, yeah. and sh- hey, Jamar Chase, stop dropping the football. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> let's get to our Super Bowl predictions, and that'll wrap up today's show. K-Dot, who do you have in the Super Bowl? And who do you have? Run it back. Run it back. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Super Bowl. But this time, the torch is passed. Ooh. I'm getting the Kansas City Chiefs as being the Super Bowl champs. And I don't think either one of those teams are going to be the top seeds going in to the playoffs. But I do believe that once the dust settles with the experience that these guys have, they're going to be able to do what they need to do in the playoffs to get that rematch. And I think that this is finally the time that Tom Brady relinquishes his role, his top dog, to the next guy. Okay. I, I can't fault you for that. So Kansas City winning over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am going out of the AFC, the Cleveland Browns, because it's year two with Kevin Stefanski. They are the most complete team. If injuries were to happen to this team, they would be okay. They can survive it just about anywhere. The only one they maybe can't is quarterback, and they're still deep there. So I've got the Cleveland Browns figuring it out, beating Kansas City in the AFC Championship game this time. And I've got the LA Rams coming out of the NFC very, very high on their mission, on their motivation. A Matt Stafford injury derails all of this, but knock on wood, he gets the opportunity to shine. And I got the LA Rams beating the Browns because, again, that defense for the LA Rams just way too good to me. And Stafford is going to be hungry. He's been in Detroit starving. Matt Regan knows it. He's just been starving for the opportunity to succeed. He finally gets there. It's a home game. SoFi Stadium. The Rams are going to win be fun. the Super Bowl. Be and that'll be the second time ever the team that's hosting the Super Bowl wins the Super Bowl. Of course, the first time last year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. And that's going to conclude today's preview show. So KDOT has Washington winning. I have the LA Chargers winning. Unless Eckler does not play, in which case I have Washington. And this is District Divided. We're doing this weekly preview show. And hope you guys like it. If you did, please like the video. Please subscribe. Share it with people that want more Washington football team coverage. And maybe some LA Chargers coverage. Just see how we did on that front. But thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week for a preview with the New York Giants. That's a Thursday. Hey, Matt, I got my own show, huh? I got my own show with the host. You (laughs) said I need to make space, huh? I got my own show. (laughs) Peace out, y'all. Enjoy.